Welcome to California State of Mind from Cal Matters and Cap Radio. I'm Nicole Nixon in Sacramento. And I'm Nigel Duara in Los Angeles. So, Nicole, what made you mad this week? Let me tell you what made me mad this week, Nigel. It was Monday night. I was minding my own business at around 9 p.m. I was watching The Bachelorette, my guilty pleasure. And on my phone come three emails, three notifications, all at the same time. And they are from the governor's office, the speaker assembly's office, and the Senate pro tem's office. All the big bosses in Sacramento. All the big bosses in Sacramento. And they all say the exact same thing. And that is, we've reached a budget deal. Yay! It was this grand announcement. However... Well, that sounds really good. That sounds great. They're done. Well, yeah, except we are two weeks into the fiscal year in California. And they finally agreed or so they say, on how to spend most of the state's money. The problem I have is that the next day on Tuesday, when I was trying to figure out what exactly this means, what's the deal, what have they agreed upon before because they've already passed part of a state budget, I cannot get any answers on the details of this deal. And I'm told that they won't be made available until later in the week. And when I finally get to talk to somebody hours later, I'm also told that they're actually still negotiating over how to spend uh, wildfire money and drought mitigation money, which are two of the biggest issues facing California this summer. So my question is, what does a budget deal even mean in Sacramento anymore? Someone tell me because I... I'm wondering. I would love to know. It sounds like they're celebrating at the five-yard line before they score a touchdown. A little bit. Or celebrating at the $262 billion yard line, and there's still like $4 billion left to spend on like major, major issues that are life and death for people. But anyways. That's a different kind of football than I know about. <laughs> so the budget process is not transparent, you're telling me. I am shocked. Right. The budget process is not transparent. And on top of all of this, on Tuesday, Newsom held this big press conference rally to celebrate the budget deal. He signed some bills that give away $600 stimulus checks. And it had a very campaign rally feel, which is very weird for a budget bill signing, which he even acknowledged. And it's very likely because we have a governor who is facing a recall very soon. Well, speaking of the recall, I guess Gavin Newsom's attorney missed a deadline and now Newsom won't be listed as a Democrat on the recall ballot. Nicole, is that going to matter? Honestly, I don't think it'll have a huge impact because I I feel like anybody who cares enough to vote in a special recall election that's literally the week after Labor Day, those people probably care enough to know the party of the guy they're voting to recall. So there's one prominent Democrat who could be leaving California and the whole dang country. Yeah, I hear that your mayor there in L.A., Eric Garcetti, is going halfway around the world. He is. He was nominated by Biden to go to India. That's where my parents are from. So that'll be fun. He's leaving kind of an inopportune time in L.A., though. Um, His loudest critics, of course, have been calling for him to leave since the George Floyd protests of last summer. But now positivity rate in L.A., of course, COVID positivity rate is hitting highs that we haven't seen since winter shut this place down. So cases are up more than 500% since last month. And I guess we're not alone in having new caseloads, Nicole. Right. Sacramento County, things are getting worse here as well. And they're telling people to start wearing masks again when you go out in public. So if you haven't been vaccinated, get your dang vaccine so that we can enjoy our lives again. Yeah, folks, get that jab. Listen to Nicole. So it's said that there's no fire season in California anymore, but there certainly is a season for drought and we are in it. 
Water demand from farms in cities is exceeding supply from Fresno to the Oregon border. 85% of the state is in extreme drought. Questions about water conservation, what we use, and what we're willing to give up are coming to your town. And I get a dry mouth just talking about it. So let's bring in Rachel Becker. She's my colleague and an environmental reporter for Cal Matters. She's done several recent stories about the state's drought situation. Rachel, welcome back. Hey, thanks for inviting me. I always love talking to you, but it's usually uh, something horrible because that's the kind of stuff that we cover when we talk about the environment in California. So today we're talking drought. I need you to paint a picture for us, or I guess maybe a heat map. How bad is the drought problem in California right now? It's really bad. You know, not only has there been just so little rain and snow, but the snowpack also just disappeared. You know, this is a reservoir that the state really counts on when the rain stops and it starts heating up. And in April, it came in at 59% of average, which is, you know, well below normal, but it's also not apocalyptic. But then temperatures kept climbing and the dry soil and plants were just so thirsty that Snowmelt we'd been counting on to refill our reservoirs just kind of soaked into the ground or disappeared into the air. And as a result, there was way less runoff to refill California's reservoirs than expected. So I'm talking something like 800,000 acre feet short of projections, which is enough to supply more than a million households for a year. And so on top of all of that, it's really hot. You know, it's California's fifth hottest year to date, capped off by its hottest June on record. You know, we've just emerged from these sweltering heat waves. So we know that like all that heat means that people and trees and crops and gardens and pets and livestock and everything are thirstier. And so at 59%, so usually that would just, that that water would already be absorbed anyway. But the, the thing is, we'd have more flowing over it that wouldn't be needed by by the plants and everything. So there would be that literal runoff, right? Yeah, you, you'd expect that snow that's packed onto mountainsides to run off into rivers and refill reservoirs. And there was just so much less of that runoff than expected this year. That's not the only water issue, obviously, when it comes to drought. We have the city called Teveston. It's in the Central Valley. The city pump breaks. 700 people are out of water. So let's try to give people some idea of the scale of this problem. What are something like Tevison, one or two other places in the state that are facing these immediate challenges, these ongoing challenges because of drought? So one place that's really hurting is the Russian River watershed in Northern California. It's the first place where Governor Newsom declared a drought emergency. And one water district in Mendocino County is already restricting residents to 55 gallons of water per person per day. And so for scale, that's enough to fill a bathtub and flush a toilet six times or take a 22 minute shower, which I know, you know, everybody's guilty of doing at some point in their lives. And so, you know, some coastal communities in Mendocino County are also trying to figure out where to truck water in from to make it through this dry spell. The Redwood Valley Rancheria has no water to refill the storage tank that it uses to not only water its community garden, but also refill its fire truck. And so one issue is that the area is so isolated. So Mendocino County is cut off from state and federal aqueducts, which means that residents are relying on, you know, patchy groundwater stores and then water that's tucked away in Lake Mendocino and released into the Russian River. The region's really heavily dependent on rainfall, and there was just so little this year. And so at the end of May, Lake Mendocino hit a record low of just 40% capacity. And there are some projections that the reservoir could be dry by the end of the year. Basically, 
we're seeing this patchwork of, of drought impacts even within Mendocino County. So Redwood Valley is restricting residents, but the city of Ukiah has spent millions of dollars to build out its recycled water plants and drill new groundwater wells, and it's doing okay. So it's really kind of a microcosm of the state as a whole with just such varying drought impacts from place to place. Rural parts of the Central Valley are also hurting and have been hurting. So my colleague, Julie Cart wrote this really just bleak, beautiful, important piece about Tulare County where drought never really ended. She found that 500,000 residents, about 10% of its population, are, are designated as water insecure, which means that their drinking water supply is unreliable or non-existent. So, Rachel, you, you mentioned uh, a rancheria that uh, that doesn't have, you know, the reserves it might need right now. Are there other places in the state where the longer this drought goes, the less they're going to have in reserve and that's going to become a really critical problem? I mean, absolutely. I mean, every Even Southern California, which entered the year with record levels of water and storage, is going to have to tap into that storage uh this year. And so really the question is, how long is this drought going to continue? That's really going to determine how bad it gets. So I wanted to set up some of the stories because in other parts of the state, you're going to find, you know, sprinklers going full blast. You're going to find green lawns. You're not going to see drought. So why are some communities hit so much harder by these conditions? And then folks maybe closer to the coast are still living the uh, California dream. So some of it is about location, right? Rain and snow and heat vary just so much across California. And some of the soggier places in the state have gotten used to having yearly refills of their rivers and reservoirs and aquifers. And when that doesn't happen, they hurt. Um, other places have fewer natural supplies of their own. You know, they can't count on rain. And so they've just spent decades kind of building up that drought resilience um, by sending pipes across the state to, to bring in water or dipping into their groundwater or developing, um, you know, recycled water uh, capacity. Um, so, you know, looking at Southern California, for instance, the Los Angeles Department of Water and Power told me that, you know, they're not anticipating in issuing water use restrictions for now, at least, because the region has plenty, um, in part because the area's major imported water supplier um, came into 2021 with just record levels of water and storage. But well, again, where are they getting that, their water from? Where's that water supplier getting their water from? Yeah, they have lots of different sources. You know, they, they tap into the state water project. They have Colorado River sources. So a couple of months ago, you were asking folks around the state what their perception of the drought is, right? Because a lot of this, when it's voluntary reduction, a lot of it is kind of convincing people, right? And, and getting in their mindset. So when you called around, what were folks telling you in different parts of the states? How do their experiences differ? It really varied from place to place. You know, I spoke with a rancher in Oroville who had, you know, already, you know, last year was selling off part of her herd and is wondering whether climate change is going to is going to end, um, you know, her family's legacy of, of ranching. Um, I spoke to a, a woman in Compton who wasn't feeling this drought that acutely, but she had already, you know, even prior to, to drought making headlines this summer, had paved over her backyard and had switched to a shower on a timer that turned off after a certain period of time. 
um, and convinced her family to do the same thing. So it really, um, it really varies from, from place to place. I spoke to a person in Redwood Valley who had to reactivate a, a well on his property because what his dream was, was to garden. And, you know, even as he was converting it to a, a less thirsty garden, he still needed some water. It's a patchwork. It's a, it's a patchwork of experiences and it's a patchwork of, of pain from the drought. Wow, a patchwork of drought pain. There's an image that will stick with me. Yeah, it's really worth keeping in mind when you hear drought and you think, well, you know, my lawn's fine, my showers are working. But coming up, we're going to talk with Rachel about some of the proposed solutions from our state leaders. Stay tuned. It's California State of Mind from Cap Radio and Cal Matters. I'm Nigel Duara. And I'm Nicole Nixon. We're back with CalMatters reporter Rachel Becker. We've been talking about just how bad California's drought is and could get this year. Let's turn now to some of the solutions being proposed out of the state capitol. Yeah, Governor Newsom is asking citizens for some voluntary cutbacks in their water use. And he's also expanded the emergency drought declarations in various parts of the state. So Rachel, let's start with the cutbacks. What are we all supposed to be doing right now? So Governor Newsom has asked Californians to cut their water use by 15% voluntarily. And he stressed that the administration, you know, isn't trying to be oppressive and in his words was not there as a nanny state. His request is really focusing on common sense cuts, like looking for leaks and running full loads of laundry and dishes and, and taking shorter showers, you know, which may be habits people have already developed from the last drought. Sure. But the governor seems to have a lot of faith in people doing these cutbacks voluntarily. So when we think about voluntary cutbacks in water, of course, I jump back to, you know, the Great Recession days and brown lawns in L.A. and all that kind of stuff. What's the history of asking for these voluntary changes? Do people actually do it? And and when they comply, do they comply to the letter of the law or like its spirit? You know, it's possible that voluntary calls to action could have an effect, particularly I hear if reporters keep covering the drought. <laughs> Nusha Jami at Stanford tracked media coverage of previous droughts and found that people tended to cut their water use faster following heavy media coverage of the drought. And many started cutting down actually before mandatory restrictions set in. So, you know, that said, we know that Californians do really rise to the occasion when mandatory restrictions are imposed in the spring of 2015, former Governor Jerry Brown ordered Californians to cut their water use by an average of 25% statewide. And, you know, they they came, they did, they came really close overall. And, you know, the state's legislative analyst reported that specifically in the summer months of 2016, residential water use dropped by 30% compared to the summer of 2013. And let's talk about the expansion of the drought emergency. What's it expanding from? And what does that actually mean? We've been seeing Governor Newsom sort of trickle out these emergency drought declarations. The first were in Mendocino and Sonoma counties and the hard hit Russian River watershed that we talked about. You know, then came most of the Central Valley and the Klamath River area. And then at the beginning of July, uh, Newsom expanded the drought emergency declarations to nine more counties, including in the Bay Area and Central Coast. So that brings the total to 50 counties, home to about 42% of the state's population that are now under drought emergencies. 
And two of the newest counties with drought emergency declarations are Marin and Santa Clara in the Bay Area. And I remember talking to their major water providers in the weeks before the announcement, and they were just really kind of pining for that drought emergency declaration. And that's because what these do is they essentially clear away some red tape to, for instance, expedite construction projects, for example, a a rock barrier to protect saltwater from backwashing from the San Francisco Bay into the Sacramento-San Joaquin Delta. They can streamline water sales from someone who has water to someone who needs water, Um, or they give state agencies the power to, to consider relaxing certain water quality rules to keep more water in reservoirs. So the governor talked a lot in his recent press conference about taking a targeted approach to how water restrictions are going to be managed across the state. What does that mean, targeted approach? And how is it different from what's being done up to now? I I think that that is what's been happening so far is that targeted approach, right? And we're seeing that in that kind of piecemeal declaration of drought emergencies from, from county to county rather than a statewide emergency declaration like we saw under Governor Brown and conser- a statewide conservation mandate like we saw during the last drought. You know, right now we've got um, water use restrictions that vary from county to county, even within counties. Uh, we uh, statewide water waste rules really stalled after the last drought. So we don't have those, those, those vary. And so I think, I think that's what is meant by the the targeted approach rather than a blanket statewide emergency declaration, statewide conservation order and statewide water waste rules. Try saying that 10 times fast. (laughs) (laughs) But that does raise the question, why not just issue a blanket order to save water up and down the state everywhere, even down here in Southern California? You know, Newsom says that we don't want to be a quote unquote nanny state, but it makes you wonder how bad it would be to just go ahead and say, yeah, even if you're in L.A., you still got to cut back on 25 percent because that's how it's working across the state. There, I mean, there is something to be said about that sort of solidarity, but there's also, you know, with everybody cutting back and, you know, seeing their neighbors do the same thing. But there are also concerns, you know, about kind of crying wolf too soon for areas that already have water, you know, and definitely some water wonks I've talked to um, say there is urgency, though, to, to really make it clear that this is a problem and it's going to get worse unless we see rain this winter. And even if we see rain this winter, if there's not enough, we could really see drought conditions continue. So that's, I guess, one of my big questions is, is this purely up to the the snowpack and the amount of melt and the runoff we get? Is this a policy failure to see what was coming down the line? Or are we just kind of subject to the vagaries of how much snow we get and, and how thirsty the plants are? You know, I wouldn't call the shift in the snowpack unavoidable. We know droughts are part of California's natural cycles, but we also know that climate change is making them worse. And the fact that warming temperatures shrivel the snowpack is something that experts have been warning about for years, years. So we've known that this is going to be a problem. And, um, you know, people I've spoke, spoke to have been warning about this kind of the loss of this critical reservoir for California for years. And and our infrastructure has just not really kept up with that warning and with the pace of climate change. So this is something that we're really going to have to think hard about is, is what does water resilience mean for California as California is changing as a result of fossil fuel use and, and accelerating climate change? Well, that leads to my next question. What are the next steps if things get worse? I think the state is really going to have to just kind of continue tightening 
conservation measures. You know, last time we saw um, lawn rebates issued to people um, who wanted to swap out their thirsty lawns with more drought resilient plants. Um, you know, we saw toilet rebates and showerhead rebates and, and these kind of carrots to entice people into reducing their water use. We also saw more stringent penalties for folks who, who didn't. That was Rachel Becker from Cal Matters. Rachel, thanks so much for joining us uh, and helping us learn about this extremely complicated topic that is obviously going to play a bigger and bigger role in all of our lives. Oh, thanks so much for inviting me. And that's California State of Mind for this week. Nigel, I hope you have a great week. See you next time, though I might be a little smellier because I'm cutting back on my showers because of the drought. Well, then I'm glad I'm several hundred miles south. Well, thanks everyone for listening this week. See you next time. California State of Mind is a collaboration of Cal Matters and Cap Radio. It's edited by Tess Figland and produced by Jen Picard. Our engineers are Antonio Minez, Chris Feltz, and Paul Conley. Sally Schilling is our executive producer. Mark Jones is the technical director. Chris Hagen is our digital editor. Margarita Noriega and Chris Bruno are our masters of marketing. Our social media is run by Emmy Gilbert and Courtney Fong. Nick Miller is editor at Cap Radio and Joe Barr is our chief of content. Dave Lesher is editor at Cal Matters. Our theme song is Mellifera Ligustica by Isaac Joel. Don't forget to subscribe to the podcast. You'll get notified every Friday of a new episode. That is all for now. Thanks for listening to California State of Mind. See you next week. Support for California State of Mind comes in part from Sierra Nevada Brewing Company.